Have you ever walked past a dumpster and been like, yo, I wonder what's in that dumpster? I can put on these glasses. Let's start eating that trash can. You're listening to the True Crime Dumpster Podcast with hosts Amy and Kevin. And we're coming back at you this week with episode 41, Paulette Hibata Fada. Paulette Hibata Fada. Uh, not Fada, like Hello Mata. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure we're saying it exactly correct, okay? It's another Necronomicon incantation. <laughs> so... This all takes place in, we have to say it right at the top because we practiced it. Whiskey Lucan de Degalado. Pretty, pretty good. Pretty I, good. Yeah, it was like pronunciation.com or something. It means the place of the edible thistles. Mmm. I think we got to <laughs> go visit this place because. This takes place in Mexico City the greater part of Mexico City in a fairly affluent community specifically called Interlomas. And so we're going to try our darndest throughout to pronounce things correctly. But if we mispronounce things, just know that I'm Japanese and he's white as hell. No malarkey. <laughs> we are trying our best. But I just want to thank a couple sources like the Trail Went Cold podcast where he featured the story, as well as there was a Reddit thread by the user Blue Liar. And what's really cool about his post is that he got a lot of the stuff in Spanish and translated it for people. And so some of those sources are Yornada, which is, a, I think, a journal, like a Spanish journal. There's Univision. Pretty sure I said that right. And then Nuestro Tiempo Toluca. So those are some of the Spanish sources that the person on Reddit translated for people. And then there was stuff also from LA Times, CNN, CBS. And we also started to watch a series on Netflix called The Search that is based on these true events that we're going to talk about now that just came out. I think it was just last year, maybe even this year. We watched the first two episodes and didn't realize that it was going to be like 10 episodes long and we were kind of running out of time. So we did watch the first couple episodes, which does help kind of set the scene. But I don't know if all of I don't know if it's totally historically accurate. They may have like kind of made up some people. So we might be referring to the Netflix series a little bit throughout, but we didn't finish the entire thing. We'll probably finish it after this. So lots and lots of sources where we got our information from. 
And so we definitely couldn't have done it without those sources because that's where we got a lot of the information. I never heard about this case until. Yeah. So this case is famously called the Mexican John Bonet Ramsey case. And you'll start to see the parallels as we tell the story. And I'll be also like making the kind of obvious parallels as well. But basically, it's the story of a cute little girl that goes missing and things are all a mess. And the family doesn't look guilty or innocent. Definitely not innocent. Probably guilty. I don't know. We'll talk about it. All right. So let's just get to it. Paulette Hibata Fada was born on July 20th, 2005 in Mexico City. Her parents were Lizette Fada and Mauricio Hibata. Both of Paulette's parents came from affluent families. Both of them received top-notch educations at private institutions. Lizette went on to become a lawyer, and Mauricio went on to become a successful businessman. Paulette also had an older sister who was seven, named also Lizette. That's got to be kind of weird. Yeah. Like, to be the one junior and the other kid's like, uh, that other kid. <laughs> hey, Amy. No, not you. The other one. <clears throat> Yeah, no, the other one. Junior, I don't know. That's kind of, I get it. But at the same time, it kind of excludes other kids. You know, like you don't get to be named after your parents. Which naming people after your, the parents, I don't know. That's weird. Didn't are my, there ever any George girls' names that are ju- just junior? <laughs> you know, no, that's totally not a thing. <laughs> Until it's now. It's so chauvinistic and yeah. old school. Hey, junior. There's an old guy at my work that calls me kid. Ew. Uh, Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. So Paulette had developmental disabilities that affected both her speech and motor capabilities. This is really sad. She was born at 25 weeks, which is so premature. She weighed 1.7-ish pounds. They gave it in grams. I just did a quick conversion and was just over a foot long. She was about 13 inches long. It's so tiny. I was two feet long. I was... 10, literally 10 times the size of this girl. (laughs) I was over 10 pounds. I mean, I guess it's like eight times the size, but I was like eight of these little girls. Like, (laughs) I was huge. So this this girl is tiny. They kind of portray the mom as being kind of like a boozer and she's always smoking and stuff. So maybe she was. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Doing that sort of uh, malarkey. Okay, Joe Biden, can you stop that? She defied doctors' expectations and learned to walk, but she couldn't speak full sentences, just single words to ask for things she needed like food, mom, toy, stuff like that. But again, the doctors didn't think she was going to live beyond, you know, a couple of days, and they definitely didn't think she would ever walk, and they definitely didn't think she would ever speak, so she defied a lot of odds. She required expensive pediatrician appointments, therapy visits, and medications. She loved horses. She was primarily taken care of by her two live-in nannies who are going to come up a lot in this story, and their names are Erica and Martha Casim... I'm going to try that again. (laughs) Casimiro. Casimiro. That's that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Er Thanks, Erica and Martha, for having easy first names. (laughs) On the evening of March 21st, 2010, the family had just returned from a weekend trip to Valle del Bravo. Her mother, Lizette Farah, had not gone with them, opting instead to go on a trip to Los Cabos with her friend Amanda 
and returning home the same day as her family. So she took a separate vacation from her kids and husband. Interesting. Yes. We're going to hear more about that later because it's a sketch. However, Lizette definitely remembered putting her daughter to sleep that night and kissing her before she left the room. The next morning, so this is the morning of March 22nd, 2010, one of Paulette's nannies couldn't find Paulette in her room. She searched the parents' room and all over the two-story luxury apartment. So yeah, this, we're going to call it an apartment, but it's it's like this palatial apartment because again, Interlomas is this very affluent neighborhood with these gargantuan apartments. It's like the apartment like the family like in arrested development or something would have, right? It's like it's like an apartment, but it's huge. It's potentially even like a penthouse or something. It's really really nice. And it's got lots of security. Yeah, lots of security. They refer to it as a compound a couple of times. Like it's it's very hard to get in and out. Erica and Martha were in charge of keeping the place clean and taking care of the girls. On the morning of March 22nd, the nannies got Paulette's sister ready for school. Uh, remember, she's Lizette. But couldn't find Paulette anywhere when they went to get her for her kindergarten around 8 a.m. They looked not only in the apartment, but they also checked all over the entire building, including the elevators, the garden, the pool, the playground, and even the parking lot. But she was nowhere to be found. After they notified Mauricio... He called his sister, and she is the one that called the police. So he didn't call the police right away. Later, the mayor of, I'm assuming, Mexico City, probably? Yeah, I, th- I think, well, maybe not of all of Mexico City. Maybe it of might just be the, broken up in the, into sections. Yeah, it's. I, I will admit, I don't understand Mexican government very much, so we're going to try our darndest to help, uh, to help you understand, but... He's kind of he well so in the Netflix thing he's referred to as presidente, which I think just means like in charge of something. But they called him the president of the city. Yeah, and then later on in the subtitles they said mayor, and then they said something about being a governor too. So I don't know. They're just covering all the bases. Yeah, he's real important. So I believe the sister calls the mayor because she's like cousins with him or really good friends with him or something there's definitely like a connection and his name is alfredo del mazo and he notified the attorney general of the state of mexico alberto bazbaz which is a fun last name bazbaz bazbaz so after the initial search of the apartment building paulette's family claimed they could not find her there were no signs of theft or kidnapping the locks were intact as were the windows and the doors. The housing complex had surveillance, but no evidence of Paulette leaving or being taken. Paulette could not go out alone because of her motor and language disability, so that was pretty much out of the realm of possibility. They also had, um, like, you needed a key card to get into some of the doors. Yeah, I mean, there were quite a bit of doors of security, like, she you, wasn't you couldn't getting just, out there by yeah, herself, is what we're trying and, to say. And also, no one was coming in unless they, like, lived there, right? Mm-hmm. And like they said, that no, there was no sign of breaking or entering, and, and the doors were locked in the morning. Assisting in the investigation was Alfredo Castillo, who was then deputy attorney, and Alberto Bazbaz, the attorney general. So Alfredo Castillo was just one step below Bazbaz. 
So when Boz Boz, <laughs> that's fun to say. So when Boz Boz got the call, he passed it on to Castillo, who Castillo, he actually specialized in drug takedowns. And so this was kind of outside of his deal. Right. But they wanted somebody powerful because, like like you said, um, the mayor called this in. They were connected. Yeah, they were connected. So that's why they put their, their big guns on it. What sucks, too, and something that was brought up in the Netflix thing, which I didn't read anywhere else, was the fact that right. 22 girls had gone missing in the state of Mexico City or whatever, the, that area of Mexico that year. And there was hardly even a buzz about any of those. But when a prominent person, one rich girl goes missing, when one rich girl goes missing, it's like everybody's gonna drop everything and they bring in the big guns. And so, like that was brought up a lot in the Netflix thing, which I really appreciated. Yeah. And that happens a lot. The case had a lot of fanfare. Yes, and we'll talk about that later. Police immediately swarmed the house, and an intense search began. It was unheard of for a little girl from a family like this in this area to go missing. Interlomas is a very affluent place, and the apartment complex was practically a guarded compound. After the search began, police found nothing. There were no signs of forced entry, no signs of a struggle, and most importantly, no signs of Paulette anywhere. The girl's parents, especially her mother, oh, did so many TV interviews, and they were super weird. And one of them, which we'll talk about a little bit later on, was like in the girl's bedroom. Yeah. Like, and they're like holding the stuffed animals like and in stuff. The bed. Yeah, it's weird. It's very weird. So, in what seemed like record time, Paulette's picture was plastered all over the place on every single news outlet. And everyone was following the case really closely. Again, a lot like John Bonet. Because remember, John Bonet was like this little beauty queen. Well, yeah, she was a beauty queen, but this girl was... But like... she, yeah, but, and also from a prominent family. Like, her parents right, were really right. rich. And they were really well-known in the community and stuff. So, again, like, being a cute little girl from a prominent family is going to get you places. Well, unfortunately, both of them are dead. So, spoiler alert. Okay. Everyone was asking, what happened to Paulette? Was she kidnapped? Did she wander out on her own? Was she still alive? It was the talk of the nation, like I was saying, just like John Bonet. On March 27th, so this is five days after she's gone missing, several news crews were allowed into the apartment as Lizette, sitting on her daughter's bed, recalled what happened that night. She put her daughter to bed, kissed her goodnight, and left the room. She didn't hear any weird noises. The dogs didn't bark. Everything seemed fine. It would be nine days later, on March 31st, that Paulette's body was found. The BBC reported the girl was found suffocated, wedged at the foot of her own bed, nine days after she went missing, and her death was declared an accident eventually. What's so crazy about this, and we'll talk about it a little bit later too, is that you're thinking like, oh, they must have not searched, you know, very much if like her body was like wedged in between like the frame of the bed and the bed mattress and I and I read somewhere too that it was like a full-size bed frame with a twin-size mattress like there was a lot of room on all of the sides and that's like part of the argument as to why it was so easy for her body to get lodged or something okay well yeah say that did happen okay 
you would think that you'd be able to smell it before exactly. nine days. Yeah. So there's definitely some stuff with the decay and all that stuff. And we're going to talk about that. But remember, there were new, like she, oh, this is so creepy. Remember, like we were saying, she gave an interview on her daughter's bed, which means that her and the TV anchor were sitting on top of her decaying body. That's so creepy. Five days after she went missing, they were granted interviews in the girl's room. How could you not smell a decaying body? And a lot of people say, oh, it's because she was wrapped I up have in an blankets. Idea. Yes. She wasn't there yet. Okay, okay. We'll get to your theories later. During the time before her body was found in the apartment, Castillo had bugs planted all over the house to catch some incriminating statements made by both of Paulette's parents. And we're not going to get into them, but they're pretty sketchy. Nothing like no smoking gun. But there was a part where Lizette is telling the other Lizette, little Lizette, you know, Lizette Jr. (laughs) She was telling her, like, don't say anything. They'll accuse us if you say anything or they'll think that, like, you did something to her. So that's don't talk to the cops. Yeah. So like Lizette Jr., (laughs) she was kind of called into question. And we'll talk about kind of the parallels with her and Burke Ramsey a little bit. It's not bad advice. I mean, exactly. So that's why it's like, it's not a smoking gun because she's not saying, hey, you killed your sister. Don't tell the cops that. She's saying like, hey, don't talk to the cops. Yeah. It sounds sketchy. Never but like, talk to the cops. I, I totally agree with her. Just Avoid. like, don't, dang, don't take a polygraph and get a lawyer. Like those things make you look guilty, but they also protect you. Erica Casimiro Paulette's nanny would later testify in court. She said, after looking everywhere for Paulette, I found her mother sitting there drinking coffee and smoking a cigarette. All while the father was calmly looking in the closet for the girl. So specifically Erica's eyes, but I believe both nanny's eyes, they did not like the way that the mother was acting. Well, I it's also like kind of, they make it seem like, the parents really weren't taking, like, raising the kids at all. It was, yeah, it was, it was the all nannies. the nannies. Yeah. So, but, I don't think... That- but also, like, the nannies were, like, they weren't concerned. It's almost as if, like, they knew where she was. Like, again, and we'll talk about maybe this being a staged kidnapping or something. But it's almost like they knew where she was or they didn't care where she was, right? And part of that would point to their potential guilt but it did seem like Mauricio was at least somewhat alarmed and so I think that the nannies and most everyone kind of point more the finger to Lizette than they do Mauricio. Paulette's mysterious disappearance soon sparked one of the largest publicity campaigns in Mexico. Her mother over and over again talked about that Sunday night how her beautiful daughter had disappeared without a trace leaving the family devastated. But how could this be a kidnapping if there was no ransom call ever placed? May- oh, God. And th- this is what the mom says. It's so fucking hard to take this mom seriously because she said maybe she was taken by aliens. And then an- at another point, she someone heard her joke saying, or perhaps even Harry Potter. Perhaps Harry Potter stole our daughter. Ha, 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 ha. That's you not funny. Kind of jumped the shark on that one. What do you mean? It was Harry Potter? <laughs> no. What? No, that, that that it's so ridiculous that Oh, gotcha. 
And the but name aliens, who knows? Yeah. But the the Netflix series, uh, The Search, the first episode is called It Was Harry Potter, I think. And so it's referring to that terrible joke that the mom makes. So in the show, who is the mom's friend with the dark curly hair who's kind of Amanda. running the show? Amanda, and that's her real name. Okay. Yeah. So Amanda, it's super creepy because the fam like there's a ton of people in the house. There are like agents there overnight. And the house is just filled to the brim with people. And Amanda, who is Lizette Senior's closest friend, she's there. And even so, because she's not like a federal agent and she's not family, she kind of got ousted out of being able to stay somewhere. And so Lizette is like, well, there's one open bed. You know what bed that is? Paulette's. Well, yeah. So, so Amanda stays in Paulette's bed for at least one night. I don't know if that's true. No, it is. It is. Oh, really? Yeah. I looked it up because uh, it, it happened in the Netflix thing. But then I looked it up and Amanda really is a real person. And she really did sleep in Paulette's bed, which is creepy as hell. But like what I'm more getting at is how well in the show she's portrayed as like kind of like taking the reins of. And I think she did all this stuff for the family, like like the mother and father seem like to be real hands off. I mean, the father seemed in innocent enough, but he didn't really want to be bothered. I think that the sister of Lizette and the sister of Mauricio and the grandparents of Paulette, I think that basically everybody was way more involved than Lizette and Mauricio were. I think Mauricio was like anxious. Yeah. He wasn't like panicked, but the uh, Lizette just seemed subdued. Like she's just like, eh, whatever. Like like either A, she knew what was already happening because she had set it in motion, or B, she just didn't care because she's like, oh wow, our expensive disabled daughter is missing. Boo hoo. Yeah. Yeah. And that is definitely part of the theory on her involvement or guilt is that they basically didn't want a disabled daughter who was, you know, eking them out of all of their resources. Well, apparently they're having some hard times financially, too. Yeah. So Mauricio, even though he's a successful businessman, apparently had a pretty outstanding gambling debt in Las Vegas. And it didn't look like Lizette was really working anymore, even though she is a lawyer. I mean, you can be a lawyer and not practicing. I mean, I'm pretty sure that Michelle Obama was never a practicing lawyer in the White House. And she's had a law degree for quite a while. Okay. I'm just saying, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying that, like, a lot of women... Fortunately and unfortunately, whichever way you want to look at it, I'm not trying to be sexist here, but a lot of times are very, very well educated and then end up having kids and don't end up being in their careers, like probably how they would choose. And so they have this like really amazing education, but they don't actually get to use it, you know, and it doesn't seem like at least from everything I've read, it doesn't seem like she was a practicing attorney. And if she was, she did not know how understand how guilt looks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the police would claim that in the week that they spent at the Hibata's home, they searched every single room and interviewed as many people as they could. They did reach a conclusion that the parents or the live-in nannies had something to do with the murder of Paulette. The parents, they discovered, had been lying since the beginning. It wasn't them who had searched for their daughter. It was the nannies. They were the ones freaking out. It wasn't Mauricio called the police. It was Mauricio's sister. 
They also found that they had financial problems like they like we talked about and that they even asked the Casamiro sisters for money. Ooh, their marriage was falling apart. They found out, but it's been unsubstantiated, so I don't want to like make waves here, but I'm pretty sure this is true even though it's never been substantiated. They said that Lizette had gone to Los Cabos to meet her lover. Ooh. In the series, his name was Jacobo, which I think is Jacob with an O on the end. Jacobo. Jacobo. (laughs) And that she spent the weekend with her friend Amanda and Jacobo partying and drinking while her husband went on a trip with the, the little girls. Soon, the married couple, Mauricio and Lizette, they turned against each other. And Lizette actually claimed Mauricio must have done the planning of either the killing or kidnapping of their daughter. And Mauricio said that Lizette and the nannies had something to do with Paulette's disappearance. Obviously, they were both guessing or trying to sabotage one another to make the other look bad. So... The day before she was found, just to backtrack a little bit, both the parents and the nannies were eventually placed in detention. I believe it was just like in a hotel. They weren't taken to jail or anything. Yeah, it was a hotel is what I heard. Yeah. And then that's where they were interrogated by police even more. Um, The investigators concluded that Lizette showed no signs of being affected by her daughter's disappearance, which... Again, it's hard for us to gauge, you know, grief and like the reactions you're quote unquote supposed to happen when something tragic happens. Exactly. But they said that she had an impulsive character and felt little to no empathy for others. She might just be a sociopath, you know? I mean, it's not like unheard of. You mean a reptilian? And they said that Mauricio, I'm not going to satisfy that with a response. (laughs) Mauricio was anxious, like I said earlier, but that he didn't show any signs of any depression or sadness and that he was both evasive and insecure. They felt that they were clearly both hiding something and that they needed to find out the truth in order to figure out how Paulette. Oh, I said that right that time. Paulette was killed. They say Paul, they call her Paulette, like P-O-L-E-T-T, because her nickname was Poe. So even though her name is Paulette, they did call her Paulette. So I'm we're saying it somewhat correctly. So on March 23rd, just two days after she went missing, it was revealed that Lizette had gone out with her. Okay, this is kind of sketchy. Like this is a new detail I found right before we started recording. So they found that on two days after Paulette had gone missing, Lizette and her daughter Lizette Jr. <laughs> had gone out for seven hours and never explained where they were at. And she was never questioned about that. So that's only two days. No, that's the next day. That's the next day. That's the, so it, the day before. So she went missing on the no, 22nd yeah. and then they went out for seven hours on the 23rd. Oh. So that still doesn't totally, I don't know. It's weird. You would still smell decaying body de- de- decomposition of human remains. Not after the first day, but they didn't smell it. So the television interviews were given like five days after her you disappearance. You would smell it by then. Yeah. So, I mean, it's only a day. So that doesn't totally explain stuff. Okay. Well, unless they were taking uh, Popo. Oh, so you're saying that they, maybe they were moving moving her alive body at that point. Yeah. Or maybe dead body. I don't know. Or maybe they're putting it in her freezer somewhere. I don't know. It's really weird. 
So Alberto Bosbaz, that guy, right? He's the attorney general. He's pretty high up. He's also portrayed as kind of a nincompoop in the the Netflix documentary, or not not the documentary, the Netflix series, um, The Search. Bosbaz thought that Lizette definitely killed her daughter, and he did everything he could to put the blame on her, and not on Mauricio, and failed to come up with enough evidence, though. So she, I don't believe, was ever even charged. The public, too, seemed pretty hell-bent on this kind of cold mother who probably disposed of her special needs daughter in order to kind of be free because again her tryst you know in Los Cabos was kind of thrown out to the media as well saying you know this is this woman obviously doesn't want to be married obviously this woman doesn't want to have kids and stuff like that and so that's why she doesn't even want to go on vacation with them but the boyfriend or supposed boyfriend never came forward so that's why it was never substantiated but her her name was definitely raked through the coals in the media and i believe when she was when the house was bugged or maybe she said it in an interview she was quoted as saying something around even if i love paulette i still have another daughter yeah, she yeah, said that. Yeah, she did say that. What the investigators in the case never told the public was they actually poorly, poorly handled the investigation. They tried to hide their own inconsistencies by basically throwing Lizette under the bus. When they arrived to the scene, they only looked for signs of forced entry, and that was it. They didn't look to see if she had been like abducted or if she was if she was hiding somewhere or, or if she's like they, wedged under the bed. Yeah, and they weren't looking at basically the parents as suspects at that point. So they did a very like surface level search of the place because they just figured like she had to have been taken because of her mobility issues and stuff. And they didn't really accuse the parents at that point. Alfredo Castillo said that he had ordered them to stop almost as soon as they got there. And so as a result, the crime scene was never taped off. Hundreds, which is crazy to think, hundreds of people walked in and out, leaving dirty footprints behind. Contaminating the scene. Yeah. Amanda slept in Paulette's bed. And the police officers working the case were even allowed to pee in the girl's bathroom. The crime scene was slowly and carelessly contaminated. And any potential evidence that could have maybe pointed to somebody abducting her or even like the parents, you know, orchestrating something was gone. Then begged the question, was the dead girl hidden under the mattress the entire time? And apparently is this the most incompetent police search on earth? Bazbaz would claim that the girl had probably rolled over while she slept, got stuck in between the mattress and the wooden structure of the bed and died of suffocation. Paulette, he said, had been dead from about... Okay, first he said, the medical examiner said it was had been like three days by the time she was found, which was nine days after she went missing, which would make it seem like her body was somewhere else for a while and then was planted, you know, right before it was found. And they did find the body because they did smell decomp. Yeah, and also, so when... The medical examiner first saw the body. It was wrapped oh, up in yeah, all yeah. these blankets. And he said he was saying, they beat they, her, they no, beat her. Well, so the, it's because there were blood stains or, on. Or decomp It juice. could be decomp juice, but decomp juice ugh, can be <laughs> yellow or reddish, right? I'm right. sure. Yeah. And so, you know, one thing that the guy from the trail went cold was saying 
was that was the first impression. It was like, whoa, there's blood on the sheet. She must have been beaten kind of thing. But that could be disproven later on. And again, that's where the kind of language barrier lies, too, because, you know, it's only reported on in like, you know, it seems like it was maybe reported on by a lot of lo- local Mexican news stations. And we might not be getting the full story exactly of like, you know, if that medical examiner or the person surveying the body when they first found it, like maybe went back on their word or something like that. Like we just don't have the same type of information. I'm positive there's some things lost in translation. Absolutely. Yeah. Boz Boz then later went on to kind of recant a lot of the stuff he had been kind of saying, which was pointing the finger at Lisette. And then he was saying that the body had been there five to nine days prior, which puts it in that realm of possibility of her really having rolled over on the night of the 21st and then being found on the 31st, which just feels like a pile of horseshit. Well, you can follow the, the kiss ideology. Which is what? Keep it simple, stupid. What? It's like the, the idea that the easiest explanation is the oh, most Oh, well, likely. that's also called... Um, Occam's razor? Yes, yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Nevertheless, the forensic experts working on the case would later testify that the girl could have only been dead three days prior to her discovery. So these are the forensic experts, not that other dude. And that her body then couldn't have been hidden under the bed the entire time and her death most likely was a homicide. So that's what the forensic experts on site had said at first. The nannies also made the bed. Oh, this is what's creepy. The, the nannies made the bed several times when the police were asking them basically to reconstruct what they did. So they were constantly making and remaking the bed to be like, oh, and this is what I did that night. And then I put her in the bed here. So they were constantly reconstructing the crime scene, basically. And which means that, one, the girl's dead decomposing body was there and they were just constantly like making the bed on top of her, which is just creepy. Or that her body wasn't there and it was basically being housed somewhere else until it could be placed back in, which also seems really weird as well. And we'll talk about that. Even Bozboz himself had checked under the bed while looking for the girl. But again, from the way, like, you can actually uh, watch the video of them finding the body. I only saw, like, a blurred version. Apparently, there's full body versions that you can watch on YouTube. I don't recommend it necessarily. I guess if you really want to get into it, you can see. But it looks like she was lodged inside of the bed frame. So it doesn't, they keep saying that the nannies and Boz Boz and all these people kept looking under the bed. But you wouldn't see the girl if you like were she looking was lodged un- between two like wooden like yeah, she, rungs she of was, the frame. No, it's like she, the, the mattress was in the middle and then the kind of like wooden frame was on the outside. And she was lodged in between the, the mattress and the frame because remember there was that gap. So it seems like it would be easier to find her then. How many times would you need to make a bed to notice that there's a dead body a right there under the corner? I don't of know. The Apparently mattress. like 16 times because I think they did it like four or five times. They didn't see her. And how many times do you think you would have to sleep on top of a decomposing body before you would notice that you're you're laying on top of a corpse? How bad do you think it smelled in the house already if it took nine days to smell a corpse? Lots of incense. I don't know. Maybe that's why they keep making the bed. 
There's no one sleeping in it. Maybe they're just dressing the corpse. I don't know. It's so weird. So then, of course, they failed to mention that Mauricio ha- was actually friends with Boz Boz. So that apparently came out later. Interesting. Boz Boz surprisingly believed of Mauricio's stories and only blamed Lizette. He never put Mauricio on blast. Lizette would eventually testify in two, for two years after the fact that she had been constantly threatened by the police and that detectives in the case had placed a gun in her hand at some point. What? Why? Like reverse psychology. I don't know. Nonetheless, Bazbaz's plan had worked to some extent, and everyone in Mexico was very much more focused on Lizette, thinking she had done it, and a lot of the focus was off of Mauricio. Well, Mauricio, at least in that Netflix show, every time there's an interview and they want him to be a part of it, He's like not having it. Apparently he did actually give some interviews, but the mom was more than willing to go on camera. It also seemed like she was kind of put up to it from her friend. Friend, Yeah, Yeah. because her friend really, the friend Amanda really wanted the girl to be found. She was trying to actually solve this case. Yeah. It seemed like no one else actually wanted to. Yeah. At least from the Netflix thing. Yeah. So here's some prevailing theories, and we have some more to add as well. But the first theory is that Lizette killed her daughter. There you go, right? She could have killed her daughter shortly after her disappearance, then hid her body somewhere in the house. A lot of people say that it could have been the elevator shaft because neighbors were saying that it felt like there was something stuck in the elevator, like it was working oddly. And so that's one place the body could have been hidden and easily taken in and out, and it wouldn't have been seen necessarily on CCTV. True. Okay. Did they say in the um, medical examination if there was trauma to the body? They said that there was no trauma to the body. So if it was getting hit by an elevator, you would probably see evidence. Yeah, but also elevators, I think, run off of sensors a lot too. So the elevator could have been acting jumpy because it sent something, but it didn't necessarily... It didn't, wasn't necessarily hitting the lump or anything. I think the sensors only work for the doors. Everything's on a cable. And oh, just... that's true. I don't know. That That's a... Well, so this is the most, I guess, believed theory by the public as well, that the public predominantly believes that the mother did it. Just like in the John Bonet case, most people for a very long time, maybe not now, most people believe that Burke did it, the brother. And it was so such a predominant theory that I think it was ABC News basically went with that theory and did like a special on like the 20 or 25th anniversary special of John Bonet. And they oh, got in a right. lot of trouble. And Burke Ramsey actually won like $20 million because he was like, dude, defamation. Like, you can't do that. I didn't. There's been no evidence against me. You can't just like call me out on national TV. Yeah. Yeah. The second prevailing theory is that it was a staged kidnapping gone wrong. That basically Mauricio and Lizette actually staged the kidnapping because of their financial issues. And that Paulette would get them either money from a potential ransom, you know, or that they could, you know, plead their case on national television and get donations and then be like, she magically is here or have her killed. Did they stash her in the elevator shaft? Well, I mean, that could go with this theory as well. (sighs) They were also saying that there's another kind of sub theory to that. 
where Lizette and her boyfriend, supposed boyfriend, did the kidnapping. So it was all Lizette. So Mauricio didn't have anything to do with it. But I'm pretty sure that Mauricio was the one that had more of the... I mean, obviously, they both had financial problems because they were married. But it sounds like he carried the burden of most of the debt because of his gambling issues and kind of being in charge of finances at home. So I don't know if I like that theory. But I guess that would go more to Lizette not wanting a special needs daughter who kind of cramped on her lifestyle that she was trying to have. Because her and Mauricio eventually divorced pretty much like right after this. Yeah, their relationship was in the shitter. Already, yeah. I, I, I know that they wanted to not have to pay for her care. Yeah. And then they were also saying as part of this kind of stage kidnapping or or even with the first theory of the mother killing her, they said that they could have hid the daughter in the air duct somewhere in the apartment and told her to wait there. And then when they realized how much national attention the case was getting, they panicked and suffocated her and then tried to plant her body. That actually seems almost like the most plausible theory, hiding her in the air duct and having her just be really quiet. Because remember, she was non-communicative. I don't think she could have stayed there, though. She had mobility issues and shit. She would have started crying. Yeah, I don't yeah. find that very plausible. Yeah, I guess it's more plausible than Harry Potter getting her. I think she was taken off site. Okay. I don't know how, though, man. There were news crews everywhere, you know? So the third theory, which is super similar to Burke Ramsey's, is that Paulette's older sister, Lizette, might have killed her because she felt that Paulette was getting a lot of attention and maybe she was jealous and either accidentally or purposely killed her and that the parents kind of covered it up so that they wouldn't ha lose both of their daughters. Is there any evidence for this? No. And what's interesting, too, is that if Lizette was seven years old when this happened 10 years ago, that means she's 17 now. And she'll be outside of her parents' control when she turns 18. It'll be interesting to see if she comes forward and says anything when she becomes a legal adult. I don't, right. to, to my knowledge, she has not come forward and said anything to this day. So, do you know where Mauricio is now? Like, no, I haven't visited him in a while. <laughs> I'm just wondering. I think that the, the family's very much gone into hiding after this. They were very public for a long time and they care not to be anymore i'm curious if their status went up though mm, interesting no i don't know because like okay so this is a wild one okay so, what isn't in this story you know mauricio and boz boz are friends right uh, yeah and you're gonna talk about yeah, yeah yeah i mean we can just get into it right now kind of well i have one more theory a couple more theories to throw out before you get there okay i'll save mine okay okay so the fourth predominant theory is that the nannies actually have something to do with it, even though from their interviews, they seem very innocent. But why would they do it? Because then they'd be shitting themselves out of a job. So this is I'm going to go straight, straight from the Reddit thread from that blue liar guy. He says, I do believe that they know more than what they're saying, but might have been threatened to not speak out. So they're not saying that the necessarily nannies did it, but the nannies know potentially know something. And then the fifth theory, which wasn't one of um, Blue Liar's theories that he threw out there, but I'm going to throw out there. It's potentially the most unlikely, but potentially the most likely. Aliens. And the same goes in the case of John Bonet, is that it was an intruder. 
that even though, you know, you can get into places like I just listened to. Oh, man, if you don't listen to the criminal podcast, you've got to. Then one of the most recent episodes, I think it's called 10 Doors or something. It's so good. It has to do with these political prisoners in South Africa who were very anti-apartheid and they were put in prison and they broke through like 10 different doors. It took them years to be able to figure out how to do it, but they broke through like 10 different doors to successfully escape and stay out of prison for the rest of their lives. They basically got to a political asylum somewhere else where they couldn't be extradited back to where their prison sentence was. And then when after apartheid was abolished and Nelson Mandela came president, they weren't forced to serve out their sentence and they were pardoned and everything. But man, it just goes to show you if you're determined, you can pretty much break through anything. They broke through 10 prison doors to yeah. get out of prison, you know? Triumph of the will. So I'm just saying that even though it's not included as one of the kind of quote-unquote official theories, it could have been an intruder. Yeah, but we've kind of established how hard it would have been to get in, unless it was fucking Santa. Did they have a chimney? I don't know. Mm. I'm just saying, like, it's not impossible. An intruder, it almost seems more likely than almost all of the other ones because all of the theories are somewhat unexplained. So an even more unexplained theory would be just as relevant, you know? So I'm pretty sure you're going to tell us about Boz Boz now. I can tell you. About our buddy Boz Boz. Some stuff about Boz Boz. So we were talking about how he initially was pegging all of this on the mother. Mm -hmm. And the public kind of like went with that theory too. And because then, the public hates women. That too. Well, okay. That's a different, that's a that's different a conversation. Thing, yeah. So then he flip flops and goes with the police's narrative that it was an accident and that and that was a pretty quick turnaround too like it was like yeah, one day he's like the parents did it and then the next day he's like just kidding it was an accident so when he when he changes his story and is going with the police narrative the public are like you know freaking out like calling bullshit on this stuff and so enrique peña nieto who was uh, the governor at this time, he gets elected. Okay, so. It's complicated, I know. Here, let me, okay, this is my theory of what what happened. So Mauricio and Boz Boz are friends. And Boz Boz was supposed to botch this. That's, that's his last name, but it's just fun to say. I forget what his first name is. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I'm shitty with names anyways, so it's easy for me. Boz Boz is easier than... Mauricio. But uh, I think he was supposed to botch this thing from the start. I think it was like all... Boz Boz was supposed to. Yeah, maybe it was a coordinated thing because like... I think at first he tried to do his job and then someone slipped him a note and then he was like, oh shoot, I can't... I gotta, I gotta distance myself from this. What if the Fadas? Fada, yeah. What if they gave up their, like, a, basically gave up their daughter like a sacrifice? That, and that's another theory. <laughs> so, like, basically, like, because it was a burden for them and their marriage and finances were going down the shitter. So maybe. <clears throat> but it sounds like it was more Mauricio's fault than it was. Well, maybe he organized was that... this with 
with Boz Boz, and it was like that's how where the police involvement is. I don't think Boz Boz was in on it the whole time. I think that there was a there was a certain otherwise he would have come. He wouldn't have fought it so hard at the beginning. So Boz Boz botches this whole thing, and basically on purpose because he's being promised a favor down the road. Yeah, so he botches the thing, and everybody gets off. You know, he's forced to resign and, like, has the public shaming ritual. And then a few years down the road, he gets promoted to... So this is not your theory. This is what actually happened. This actually happened. So in 2012, former governor Enrique Peña Nieto was elected president of Mexico. So that's 2012. After that, Bosbos becomes the head of the Finance Industries Intelligence Unit. Which is a step up from attorney general, I think, right? Yeah. So he was. So he gets like, he has to like step down, but then two years later, he steps way back up. Yeah, exactly. That's the sacrifice part. Gotcha. And he's like shat on in the public eye. They force him to resign because he's so inept. Is, yeah. You know, he's portrayed to look that way. And actually, this year, Boz Boz was appointed to the head of. The Center for Investigation and National Security. So that's basically like the Mexico's FBI and CIA. And this does not sit well with the public because they remember how bad he botched the investigation that we're talking about. And, you know, they can't believe that he's going to head like their intelligence agencies. Mm-hmm. People claim being pressured to during the court hearings. Some of the witnesses said that they were being pressured to rule Paulette's death an accident from associates of the governor's office. Hmm. And that would have been Peña Nieto. Hmm. Enrique Peña Nieto also accepted a hundred million dollar bribe from none other than El Chapo. Whoa. According to courtroom testimony in 2016. Whoa. I think in 2018 was when Nieto was, I don't know how he left office, but he's, that's when he left. So he's kind of a sketchy cat, too. Yeah, who isn't in the story? Another interesting little tidbit of info, the apartment building that they lived at had a blackout right before Paulette's body was found. Hmm. So I didn't see that anywhere. I think that when the family was at this hotel being interrogated is when they the had, body they was had put. somebody. And I think one thing that I wrote down here was how much. So if Bosba was, was already basically in their pockets or in somebody's pockets at that point, even Bosba's could have had a hand in getting the body back to the girl. That's I mean, the I girl mean. back to the apartment. Ugh. I think it. Yeah. I, I mean, if he's if that if they have that much influence, then it's possible. Yeah. One thing I wrote here was how much did the parents pay to have someone? Well, they didn't have any money. Well, the, clean up the, this mess. Their parents did though, so. I'm sure they had access to money. They had the. I don't they know. If they also had political power. They knew people. That's sometimes more valuable than money. And like one of the parts that kind of seals the deal for me is like how the uh, police stick to this accidental death angle, which the body was wrapped in fucking. The sheets and stuff yeah. like it was like wrapped like a like mummy. mummified and that's why they were trying to say and that I think even Boz Boz came out and said it like that's why we didn't smell her because she was tightly wrapped it's like why would she wrap herself How like could a she human do that burrito herself. Yeah. exactly and like wouldn't you see a humongous lump of 
bedding, even if you didn't think it was a dead body, right. you wouldn't just leave that there. So this accidental death theory clears the parents of any foul play. Yeah. We already talked about what I think about this whole sacrifice thing. Yeah. There's, I don't know. There is one last little tidbit, which is pretty crazy. In 2017, after basically all the court hearings and all of this stuff and cases been closed and everything was officially done, the parents fucking exhumed her body to have her cremated. Yeah, that's not sketchy at all. And that is the craziest thing I've ever heard. It You let a little sleeping girl, like dead girl, lie where she's been buried. And it, I don't know, I can't think of maybe in like Hindu culture or something, but that would have to happen like 24 hours after the person died. Like, why cremate her body if she's already been buried? Are Catholics big into... Cremation? No. Right. So it's very strange. Why would they disturb hallowed ground? Well, I mean, obviously the prevailing, you know, conspiracy theory, I say that with big air quotes, would be that it basically clears the parents of ever being questioned ever again because there's no more evidence left, period. Exactly. It's like, yeah. yeah it's, it's sketchy as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we think back to the staircase, right? Michael shithead i forget his last name. peterson michael peterson yeah, michael shithead i mean remember how he had that friend in germany who fell down the staircase i mean her body was exhumed like 25 years later and they were like oh yeah he probably killed her right they had to have been watching the staircase because what this happened in 2017 i bet you the parent like mauricio was <laughs> like oh shit i was watching the staircase we gotta burn her body because michael peterson got nabbed for something he did 25 years ago i mean that it's fucking unheard of to exhume your long dead daughter. Like she had been at this point buried for seven fucking years. Why exhume her to cremate her? That is that points directly to guilt. And obviously it points to guilt in our minds, but not in law, you know, in, in the judicial system's mind. Right. Yeah. No, Cause they're allowed just, to do whatever they want. Cause it's their kid, I guess. Seems like they're, uh, Covering up loose ends. Yeah. They're they're trying to do what Michael Peterson couldn't do, which is exhume a body and cremate it so it couldn't be used for later evidence. Fucking Michael Peterson. All right. He always comes back up. All right. Well, that's our story this week. It's a fucking head scratcher for sure. Yeah. I wish it was aliens because it would be more simple. Yeah. Or Harry Potter. That's, why would she say Harry that? Harry Potter. It's not like Harry Potter abducted people. I guess, like, the house elf, Dobby, abducted him, maybe. I think she... Okay, I, okay. nerd. Okay, yeah, all right. <laughs> so you can follow us on Facebook. We have a True Crime Dumpster Facebook page you can follow and post in and say hi. Yeah. We also have an Instagram and Twitter that we're not good at updating, but we do use from time to time to spy on you guys. And we will update it at some time. Kevin, that's your <laughs> job. I do the Facebook group. You're supposed to do Instagram and Twitter. That's why. It's not done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can email us at truecrimedumpster at gmail.com. You can check out our website at truecrimedumpster.com. But I will say I am starting to put all of our sources in the episode notes so you don't have to go to a separate website to see the sources we use. So I'll do that for this episode as well. And of course, always, we love when you tune in weekly, when we keep talking out the trash. Also, 
you know, there's the West Coast is pretty much on fire right now. And I just want to I just want to say that my thoughts and stuff go out to all these people. Losing. You were going to say prayers. No, I wasn't. OK. Yeah, our thoughts are with you. We hope everyone's being safe and healthy. Aside from COVID, now everything's on fire. And yeah. I think there was even an earthquake in the Bay Area as well. So please take care of yourselves. Help each other out. If you need some refuge, weirdly, Ventura is not on fire. So if you need some refuge, you can camp out where a bunch of other people camped out by us. <laughs> That's not nice. We have a couple extra rooms. If you're on fire, you know, email us. <laughs> we'll try to find Amy, you. Amy's really knocking this out of the park. <laughs> I, mean, I just wanted to say that I am thinking about you guys and I hope your shit's not getting fucked up. So with that said, have a great week. We love you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>